Um, you ever heard of the people of Walmart? The people of Walmart, if you haven't, don't, don't search. Um, you know, the people of Walmart, it's something that started at some point years ago, and it's just the, these pictures of people just caught at the wrong time, um, and they're always at Walmart. Um, you know, and I've also often talked to, to, to people. I was telling a guy, he was asking about our church recently, a guy I know who's not in church, and um, he, you know, he said, well, you know, will you get, what is your church like? And as you've heard me say many times, I, I said, well, I've, I, our church is sort of like if you just went to Bobby Jones Walmart and you grabbed the first 200 people that you saw and you put them in a church. Um, and, I, you know, he laughed and, and, uh, and I, it's, it's, you know, here is, here's the thing, guys. You and I are the people of Walmart. You and I are often, if we're willing to admit it, we are those people that are just getting by, um, trying to make our way through the world, and um, often weak. And, you know, the day that I'm weak, you might be strong. And the day that you're weak, hopefully I'm strong to bear with you or somebody around you is. And uh, a healthy church is one where weakness is welcomed and where it is cared for. And we're going to talk about those two aspects of this, because it's one thing to say, well, we care about the weak. Well, is there anyone there that's allowed to be weak? Are you allowed to be weak? And will you allow yourself to be weak? And then will we look around at those around us who might be weak and say, I'm going to try and do something about this. And uh, the scripture um, says a lot about this. In the New Testament, there's many verses, just a couple I'm going to Quote here, Romans 15, and then in 1 Thessalonians 5, we are encouraged as the church to care for those among us who are weak. And so in a uh, culture where, you know, we kind of are encouraged sometimes um, to kind of put on our best and show up, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I thought about what I dressed up in this morning. But we, we really want to never forget that this is the place where the word deacon was created in the New Testament because they needed someone to take care of widows. And that's the word deacon, where it came from. And a healthy church is a church where weakness is welcome and cared for. And there, there's a lot of ways that a person could be weak. They could be physically sick. They could be without. They could be a refugee. They could be poor. They could be marginalized. They could be have some sort of disability. So there's a lot of ways this expresses itself. But we're going to look at the story today, and just I want to ask us a few questions as we look at uh, Acts chapter 6. So let's pray, and we're going to read this short chapter together and uh, see how it might apply to us. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to just continue to um, form us uh, into a people that are, um, well, that are just, just moved and... Um, and, and, and fashioned, Lord, by you, and that we'd work out our salvation in fear and trembling. I pray that the scripture would just be written on our hearts today, on the, just the core of, of, of us, of Vineyard Community Church, and that uh, your grace would, would abound in this body on Sunday mornings, on camping trips, uh, in the bingo, in the wedding uh, showers, and just all the things we do. We ask that your grace would abound, and just mark us with this that we read today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
All right, Acts chapter 6, fifth book of the New Testament, if you're new to the Bible, Acts. Choosing of the seven, Acts chapter 6. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. The twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples. They said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables, but select from among you, brothers, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this statement found approval with the whole congregation. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. And we'll stop there. So in this case, those that were calling the weak or the needy, those in need, were widows that were, uh, apparently it seems, there was some sort of process set up where the church took care of them and served them food. And so I want to look at this passage sort of as a template and ask three questions this, this morning. I Uh, As I studied this, I had a lot of different ideas, and I thought, I think just asking us questions, because this is a bit of a pointed passage and a pointed message, so I want to ask us three questions. And the first one, uh, and and this will just kind of get right up in us, is who am I overlooking? Who am I overlooking? Who am I overlooking? Something very important I I noticed, if you go back to chapter 5, the very end, just before we get into verse chapter 6, right after the persecution and all of the great things God was doing, the church was coming alive, it says in 542, every day in the temple from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus is the Christ, chapter 6, verse 1, now at this time while the disciples were increasing in number. And I think there's a link between the fact that they were increasing number and things got overlooked. And I want to just pause there and just really ask you to think about this. Um, we, we have uh, had a lawn service um, that uh, we used for a couple of years, and it was kind of like mom and pops, and uh, they did a great job. They, they, uh, I mow my own lawn, but they took care of our weeds, and they did the fertilizing and the pre-emergent, you know, all that stuff. And I tried to do it. I killed my yard, so I hired somebody. And uh, they were really good, and uh, as the years went on, um, their, 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 their service really started to seem really bad. Uh, my yard started dying. Much of my yard is right now dead. Um, I paid them to kill my yard. And uh, at the same time my yard was, this all happened last year, I noticed um, signs for this company just showing up everywhere. And apparently what happened was they got a new owner and they did the business thing and they expanded and expanded and expanded. And I called like five or six times and left messages, texted the guy that comes to do, and like no responses, nothing. So we finally just had to like kind of fire him and, you know, and uh, the guy actually texted me, the owner, he's like, could you pay your last bill so we can close your account? Um, and I, I said, I'm not paying, if anything, you need to pay me. <laughs> Have you seen my yard? You know, and whatever, I mean, Lord bless them, but I think that, I think that really can apply to anything. Um, as, as things get bigger, and there's nothing wrong with growing your business or your company or your church or your life, but I think it's natural, and we see this here in verse 6-1, there is a link, it seems, between the fact that they were increasing number and things began getting overlooked. And I just want to say, just beware Beware when you're winning too much. 
Beware when success seems to be thrown upon you because, you know, you never want to just put it into neutral in your marriage, ever. That's when things creep in. You never want to put it into neutral in your, your job. It's your employer, you know, and we, we're tempted to do that. But we want to work as unto the Lord and live as unto the Lord. And, um, you know, sometimes I look around at, you know, the, the paint is starting to peel in places of this, uh, you know, this building. You know, someone asked me, why, why don't we cover up that atrocity uh, over there with all those broken windows and there's gang symbols and graffiti? And, uh, you know, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Why? Well, because it reminds me there's stuff to be done. And we're never going to reach this state of perfection. And uh, maybe we need to be not so full of our momentum and success in our lives that we forget about things. And, you know, have you ever been overlooked? That's the word it uses here in, in 6.1. Does it feel good to be overlooked? It really doesn't. This was, a, this was an important thing. These were people not getting food, and they were overlooked. And so, it's, you know, before we jump into, you know, what they did about it, I just want to ask us, like, who, you know, and ask yourself, who am I overlooking? The context here is very revealing. You have these two groups of people. It, tell, it shares with us in verse 1. You have the Hellenistic views and the nat- uh, Jews and the native Hebrews. So you had two groups of people. And I'll kind of explain to you guys. Some of you guys might remember Hellenization from high school or college. It was the influence on the, really on the Middle East um, of the Greek culture. And it really, you know, when everything, art and music and buildings, you know, the way architecture. Um, and, you know, in the Middle East, the dominant power was the Jewish power, Israel. Uh, and uh, around 722 BC, the Assyrian army came and became the dominant power and pretty much wiped, almost wiped them out. They were, uh, some of them were left for about 140 years. And then the Babylonian army rose up, and in 586, they came and dominated Jerusalem for good, and that was toward the end of the closing of the Old Testament. Uh, and then the, the, Mede, uh, the, the Medes and the Persians then came in, the Alexander the Great, you might remember that. And, you know, each of these civilizations and armies and, you know, lasted as the, like, the empire, the, the main power in the Middle East for, you know, about 100, 150 years. So it was, you know, it was the, the Jewish people, and then it was the Assyrian people, and then it was the Babylonian people, and then it was the Medes, and then it was the Persian people, and then after Persia came Greece, and then after Greece came Rome, and the New Testament opens with Roman occupation, but before that... The, the power, the influence that Greece had as an empire just before Rome took over was incredibly powerful. That's why the New Testament is written in Greek. And that's the Grecian influence, that, again, called Hellenization. So what does all that mean? It means that you have a region here in Palestine where all this was happening, where you had two kinds of practicing Jews. You had those born and bred right there in the land that they had regathered in and begun to worship in again under the Roman control. But then you had this other group, and the scripture here calls it the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek or the Grecian, maybe your Bible translates it. And they were some of those folks that hundreds of years ago, their, their families were slaughtered and taken away and captive and enslaved, and they were taken to other regions all throughout the Middle East, and they continued practicing their Judaism, their Jewish faith, but they were no longer tied 
to the mothership, Jerusalem. So they were, they were Jews, but they weren't native Jews. They spoke a different language. They had different practices versus these pure Jews, you know, that were right there at the core of everything. And that's where all this conflict comes from. Uh, the complaint rose. The Hellenistic Jews said against the native Hebrews, they said, they're not taking care of our widows. And there was some sort of schism happening there because of that, you know, there was, it was, I don't know that I'd call it racism, but it was a form of racism, and there was just a, a very, uh, you know, it was a very powerful schism that happened. And we see this all through the Old Testament, by the way, you know, talking about, uh, you know, just Jews and Gentiles. These weren't Gentiles, but they very much were sort of like those guys. The people of Walmart, maybe, you and me. And so, you know, the neat thing to me is that even though that incredible tension existed, they both existed in the church. Isn't that cool? Like the church was comprised of, even though there was all that mess because of what I just talked about, our history lesson, they still both found them their, their way, both of them, into the same church. Isn't that cool? Like they were still there together trying to worship, but there was a mess. And um, the word here uh, in, in uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 1, it says the widows were being overlooked. It's a really interesting uh, Greek word. Uh, the word is parathorio. Would you say that with me? Parathorio. It's a compound word. So para means uh, to come aside, put something on the side, para. And then this thorio came from uh, the word theater, which was very big in the Greek culture. And theater comes from a word just focus on your eyes. It means to look ahead. Because when they were in the theater, they were sitting in the theater and they were looking at the play and the performance. So this idea here, this, this word that's translated overlook, this parathorio, it literally meant that I'm going this way. I'm looking here and I'm choosing to put this thing over to the side. Like I'm overlooking this thing here so that I can go there. And God does not want us to do that with any human being. Every human being has value. And so in the church, we find this problem, and they rose up, the deacons rose up to take care of it. And so, you know, as we start this passage, I just, I want to, you know, I read this, and I just got kind of stuck here on verse 1. And, um, you know, the question for us is, is, who am I overlooking? Who am I putting to the side? Um, because just like them, as we come in and live our lives and you go to your job and you go to your house and you got to get your lawn done and you got all your stuff to do and you got to go to your job and you got stuff to do and you come to church and you got stuff to do. But the question is, am I, am I just like going in and it's just I'm like missing all the stuff all around me happening? And that's a real question. Well, that leads me into the next question which is, is there a place in my life for weakness? Because if we kind of open our eyes and say, hmm, am I doing what these guys did in, in verse, verse 1 here? Um, and, you know, that kind of goes back to the, you know, the people of Walmart idea. The idea of like, hmm, it, it, am I even, do I even like have room in my life for people that are different than me? Um, there's this lady I met 
You know sometimes like you meet someone that's just could not be more different than you are? Have you ever like had someone that in your life? Um, I, I've shared a couple times where my wife and I both are coming off of some surgeries in the last year and you know, like we're, we've turned 51. We just had our anniversary, by the way, 28 years. Yay! And uh, so, but, you know, we both have been in rehab and getting, getting PT and such. So we, we decided to join this, this gym of, it's just like mostly older people. And um, it's not even a gym. It's like a rehab PT clinic that like has, like has a few weights. And um, so... I've been meeting all these people, and there's, there's some younger people that are there, and there's this one lady, you know, you go somewhere, you start going a couple times a, a week or whatever, and you know, you kind of start getting to know people, and I've told you guys, we had a big dinner uh, a few months back, and I invited a whole bunch of them, and uh, you know, they came, like they came to my house, and you know, I uh, was like, wow, they showed up, and so, um, <clears throat> but there's this lady who could not be, f- like, like, so like, I'm, I'm like, I'm too male, too pale, and too stale, okay? I'm like the white, the white 50-plus-year-old guy, you know, not a good demographic to be in right now in America. You know, that's me. I, I make the average income. Like, I make the average American income. I am very average. And this person that comes to this gym is like the, like the perfect acrylic nails, the hair, like the, the you know, the, the sculpted you know, the, 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 the yoga pants that are hot pink drives this car that's got to be $150,000. I mean, it, this thing pulls in. It's just like it looks like a it's supercar. And, um, and this is someone that I saw there a few months ago. And I just, in my, in my you know, in my brain, it's like um, that's someone I'll never talk to. I just did that. And a couple of weeks ago, um, as I'd walk by, she'd say, hey, Jeff. It's like, she's a southern belle. How'd she learn my name? <laughs> so, and it happened several times. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. How you doing today? And um, like, what? And so a couple days ago, I was um, there uh, leaving, and I saw her coming. Um, so I held the door. And she said, hey, Jeff. And I said, I don't think I've met you, <laughs> but I am Jeff, and, and you are, and we talked, and um, sweetest lady. And I said, now, how do you, she said, oh, I've heard all about you. I've heard all about you, because all the trainers have been at your house having dinner. They told me all about the taco dinner and your daughter, and I know everything. They say a lot of things about you. And, you know, and it was good. And she said, they're all good. They're all good. If they like you, I like you. She said that. She said, if they like you, I like you. And, like, we're just, like, friends. Like, automatic. Now we're friends. And, guys, it was lovely. And, you know, for me, that's that, that overlooking. Like, there's no place in my life for this type of person. Right? And, um, you know, I walked away from that that experience just thinking man like you know like you know and we gotta like we gotta ask ourselves like are there people in this lo- in our in our in our lives like here i'll just get like right all up in your grill right now there are people in this room you've never talked to and you would never talk to because they're so different from you when it's time to show up at church or coffee break you just they're here and you just go here 
We all, we all do it. I'm the same way. I, I'm with you. And, like, we got to, like, we got to mix it up. Like, maybe next Sunday, like, all you guys who sit here should sit there. And all you guys who, like, we just need to, like, be the people of Walmart, you know? Like, right? And I'm not saying that it's, like, wrong or sinful or anything. I'm just saying we have this, like, we have these grids that we use that we so quickly could leave people hungry in our lives. My wife, um, she, she's an occupational therapist. That was her training. And uh, so when we began dating, uh, she was uh, getting started in school for that. And I really got exposed um, to the world of therapy and the world of disability. And she would tell me about her classes. And um, she, uh, you know, I was got to be part of this job where I was teaching karate for kids with uh, cerebral palsy. And um, it was beautiful. And uh, one of the exercises that Jennifer had in school was uh, she, they had to pair up and go to the mall and roll each other around in wheelchairs for like an hour to get the experience of a person that is in a wheelchair. And, um, you know, she just had some amazing stories from that experience that, um, you know, I remember, you know, when you sit in a wheelchair for an hour, you will never think the same about someone in a wheelchair. And, uh, you know, at one point they went to Macy's, which is, that was Rich's, and she, uh, she went to, the, 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 the assignment was try on some clothes or shoes. So she goes there, and so the salesperson walks up to her, and she overlooks my wife in the wheelchair. She looks at her student partner and says, what size does she wear? Now, here's the thing, guys. I've done that. When she told me that, the first thing I thought, aside from feeling like, golly, that makes you feel bad, is I thought, have I ever made eye contact with anyone in a wheelchair? Here's the truth. I don't think I had at that point in my life. Like, when you see the, the person that's, like, <coughs> deaf or blind or palsied and drooling, it's just, like, so easy to just overlook, Right? Like, let me go to my people, you know? And, you know, there's, there, there has to be room in the church for the grace of God to move among us in a way that people aren't overlooked for their race, for their education, for their income, uh, for their age, for their gender, for disability, married and single, uh, if you watched my most recent Thursday Things video, I just, you know, go watch it. Like, because if you get nothing else from that video, I just want to tell you, like, singles are just as valuable to the church as married people are. And there's all these demographics where we just want to say, like, to that thing to, that seems like weakness to me or other or different, too, too male, too pale, too stale, I could tell you stories about that. We just want to say, like, is there, is there a place in my life? Um, and then, you know, kind of before I get to the end here, like, I, I want to, like, ask you, like, are you able to be weak? Are you able to be weak at all? Are you able to, to ever just, like, not be perfect and composed? Are you able to call someone or text someone and say, you know, like we sang about, Lord, I need you today, you know, but like, I need, I need a friend. Like, I need Jesus through a friend 
to, to come into my life and prop me up because I'm falling apart. And, you know, I've, I've been, we were at the mission again last Sunday night, and we've been going there for decades, and I've met, I've met thousands of homeless men. And here's what I've learned in going to the missions for 30 years and having met thousands of homeless men. And you can just add into this the disabled, the addicted, the felon, the, you know, add into this all the, all the demographics. Here's what I've learned from meeting thousands of, of homeless men. I am just like them. The first few hundred, you know, I'm like, okay, this good, like this dude got in. But as I started just more and more, I realized these people uh, are me with three or four really bad decisions, which I'm capable of making. And you are too. And by the grace of God, he has sustained us. And we are where we are. But I think that like, the more you and I can identify with the weakness in us, put your feet up, you know, chill out, the more we can be a blessing to the weakness in others. It's kind of like the lady that came in and, you know, she's washing Jesus' feet. And uh, you remember that story in, in Luke chapter 7. And, you know, what, what did the people in the room say? Why are you letting her touch you? She's a sinner. Why are you letting this person have access to you? She's a sinner. Do you remember what Jesus said? Like, well, you, know, you guys didn't even wash my feet when I came in, and here she is doing it with her hair, and you didn't anoint me, and she's anointing me with oil, and you didn't even welcome me and greet me and kiss me, and she's kissing me, and, you know, she seems to be the one that's doing all the right things. And then he said something else really beautiful. He said, the person that's forgiven much will love much, right? The more you can identify with Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, forgiving God, forgiving us. That's just not, it's not some nice chant that we're like saying. We are like saying we are the ones that crucified you through our hatred and rebellion and laziness. And you have chosen to break through all of that on our behalf and take the punishment and bring us restoration to God. And, oh, I need you. And the more we can identify with that, guys, the more we are then able to step across to the other side of the tracks, the girl at the gym, the person in the wheelchair, the people of Walmart, and treat them like human beings instead of overlooking them. And that brings me to the last part of this, am I willing to serve other people? So... Maybe our hearts are a little mushy right now, and we're like, man, I want, to, I want God's grace. It's one thing to, um, you know, open our hands and say, okay, I'm realizing where I'm neglecting. But it's another thing to act. And in verse 2 of this passage, the 12 summon the congregation of disciples, and they said, we can't neglect God's word but we've got to take care of these widows. So we can't be the ones. Let's find some people that will do this and serve. And they picked these seven guys. And in a healthy church, we embrace servant leadership. We don't care who's noticed. We don't care who looks good. Jesus said the greatest among us is the servant of all. And 
that means that using church as an example or your neighborhood or your job, walking in with the mentality of what am I going to get out of this versus who can I serve today? And I want to really leave us with this thought. Um, There's a model that I like to reference on occasion. It's a sociological study that I heard and uh, I read about, and I thought it was really brilliant, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and we're going to throw it up here on on the wall. So in, every, in any given meeting or group of people, there's seven types of people. There's negative threes. The negative three comes and says, where are the donuts and why is it so cold in this room? I don't like his shirt. There's a bunch of losers here. Why am I here? The negative two comes and kind of the same, but maybe not as vocal about it. The negative one comes and steams in the back, thinking negative thoughts, eyes closed down, lips pursed, very still, kind of broiling, but maybe not saying anything. The zero shows up, and they don't know why they're there. Here I am. <laughs> and then the plus one uh, shows up and says, hey, give me a hug. And the plus two shows up and says, man, I am so grateful for what's going on here in my neighborhood community meeting, at my job. The boss is trying to teach us the OSHA safety guidelines, and instead of being a stump on a log, I'm going to say, go for it, Diana. You're doing great. Can I buy you a coffee? And then the plus three is that rare Barnabas that shows up and says to their family, at their job, at their neighbor's house, and at their church, can I wash your feet? Or can I find someone's feet to wash? I I want to serve. I'm here to serve because I believe what the master said. It's better to give than to receive. I remember years ago in our other building, the heat, the heat, the heat sauna, those of you that, that were there, we all we all lost weight at every service. It was so hot. It was 85 in, in July there in, in, with the air on in that room. I remember looking at the thermostat thinking, God, why do any of them come back? I'm serious. I used to preach, and I, I would be preaching, and drips of sweat would just be rolling down my legs, and my, I'd feel it as I was trying to preach. Anyway, thank you, Lord, those days are over. We had this um, young girl. She was a Farsi linguist, and she came to the church. This is like 04. And we had one of those um, church cleaning days, you know? Like, we said, like, let's get our home group together, and let's serve the church and give the guy. I think it was, it wasn't Josh. It was, who was it? Maybe it was me. I don't remember, but... Anyhow, we had a diff- bunch of different people cleaned, and so we had all these people showed up, and, you know, we had a list of, like, okay, you got to sweep, and you need to dust, and you need to, you know, clean the mirrors, and you go vacuum kids' church, and, you know, you wipe the tables, and you do the, to- the bathrooms, and this girl, she was new, and uh, I remember she'd only been in the church a month, and she came, and 
she's like, she signed up to do the bathrooms, which is kind of like not the thing you want to do. It's like, all right, she's cool. Like, she's going to do the bathrooms. And um, so I was like being the GM, like the general manager, kind of just walking around the whole facility trying to make sure like, hey, do you have enough Comet? Do you have enough of this? Blah, blah, blah. And I opened the uh, door to the uh, bathroom that she was in. And I was going to ask her, do you need? So the bathrooms were closed. You couldn't see in there. So you had to open the door. And, uh, and I was just like, do you, do you have enough Lysol? You know? And uh, I opened the door, and she was on her hands and knees. She was scraping the back of the toilet. Like, she didn't just clean the ring. And no one saw this. Like, no one knew this was happening. I just happened to go in there because I was making sure people had what they need. And she was down her hands and knees, and she was just clean, she was cleaning the backside of the toilet, which are, they're dirty, by the way. You need to clean yours. <laughs> I, trust me. She was cleaning the backside. And I busted in, and I, I, was like, I was like, hey, I'm just seeing if anyone needs anything. And I'll never forget her beaming smile. She just looked up. She's like, I'm doing great. Everything's fine. I got everything I need. And she just kept going. And I shut the door and, um, you know, I'll just never forget that. I'll never forget that. Because here's what I saw in that. I was Jesus. And I, and I said, I want to be like that. So when you walk into a room, when I walk into a room, we want to ask ourselves a question. Remember those seven numbers up there. What do I bring? Here's a, here's a harder question. What if you were to ask someone else in this room right now or at your dinner table or in your office or at the construction site you work at, what if you were to say to them, hey, am I like a plus, my pastor did this dumb thing, like negative three, negative two, negative one, zero, don't know why they're there, plus one, plus two, plus three, like what, what am I? What would, the, what would the answer be? I can tell you a lot of times I'm like a negative four. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, it's something we want to ask ourselves. Um, and we want to have, have a paradigm change of, um, of maybe how we look at things. Because service is greatness in the kingdom. Service is greatness in the kingdom. And, you know... No one wants to clean the back of the toilet, but I, I think that it's equal, if not greater, than the guy preaching the sermon. And I really think that. I really do think that everything each of us does is of equal value to God if it is done with a joyful heart. And so it's not about what you get to do and whether or not you get to sing and whether or not you get to get noticed. It's just about Jesus has said, I'm inviting you to do this thing and love this person. And we say, okay, Lord. And uh, because service is greatness in the kingdom. And um, yeah. So I want to encourage you to, to think about that. And, uh, you know, it all worked out. You know the coolest thing maybe about this whole passage? Like, what became of these guys? Stephen, he was serving food. Remember what he, happened to him? He preached a fire sermon and became the first Christian martyr. The guy waiting tables. What about Philip? He was waiting tables. What, what, what did he get to do? 
Yeah, he got teleported. He got teleported a few chapters later after sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, which, by the way, a lot of people think is one of the first times that the gospel went to Africa from there. And uh, a table servant. What a great, great man, woman of God to do that. And that doesn't mean that, oh, if I wash toilets, that one day I'll get to get teleported. Hey, whatever. You know, God does what he does. The wind blows where it wants. But um, greatness is service. And uh, so the act of caring for the weak. May we be a church and may we be people that show up on your bad day, your own negative three, and you'll be like, all right, Lord, help me. At least, at least be a zero. <laughs> like, at least a zero. <laughs> I'll go for that. Maybe I'll be a plus one. But embracing servanthood, embracing that we are a group of people that come together to serve one another. And then we go out of here to serve one another. Amen? All right, let's stand.